because it is something that people feel ashamed by. And I always remember having this feeling going into the fertility clinic, like you're always surrounded by these other couples and ultimately you all know why you're there, but yet no one is like talking to each other. There's kind of like this big elephant in the room and it just felt like this big elephant of shame in a way, like no one is like openly talking about it because it's so emotional and there's a lot of feelings and there's so much there that's unspoken. So it's good that we talk about it. This is Pros Talk Pregnancy, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. I'm talking with visionaries and game changers who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mom of four, lover of the mountains, seeker of knowledge, exercise physiologist, birth doula, and childbirth educator. Basically, I'm an all-around pregnancy and birth nerd. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better and empowering professionals and families alike. Are you ready? Let's go. Today, I'm going to be talking with Nikki Johnston. She is a prenatal and postnatal exercise specialist she also went through our Body Ready Method professional training, and she is truly a gem. She is expecting her second child after having some struggles with fertility and premature birth with her first. So we talk about what it looks like to be pregnant after maybe a more difficult experience. We also talk about what it looks like to be an expecting person who has all this extensive knowledge on prenatal and birth and postpartum time. You know, how do we integrate that knowledge? How do we not get overwhelmed by that knowledge? Sometimes the more we know, the more we realize how little we know. And so it can be really overwhelming thinking, what else can I do? How else can I prepare? You know, there's so many different things thrown at us that we should be doing during pregnancy to prepare for birth and postpartum. And it can be especially overwhelming for us professionals going through this experience. And so it was really fun to just chat with Nikki. I think if you're a professional and you're looking to get pregnant and go through this experience, this is a really helpful episode. If you're an expecting person or you're a mom, it's really a helpful episode for helping us to understand how important it is to share our stories. She talks a lot about this feeling of guilt, you know, you know, my story wasn't hard enough, you know, who am I to share? Or the opposite, you know, I'm a professional, who am I to struggle? I should get it all right. I should be right. You know, I should have no pain or I should have no struggle. And so it can be really difficult for us to um, integrate our professionalism into our experience. And so um, I really enjoyed this chat and I think you will enjoy it as well. Nikki Johnston is a certified personal trainer, pregnancy and postpartum fitness coach, and now a body ready method certified pro based in Squamish, British Columbia. She's also a collaborating author of Mom Babes, a motherhood anthology, volume two, where she shares her fertility journey and her first pregnancy. As a fitness coach, Nikki's mission is to help all mamas train for birth and restore their core without just doing Kegels. I'm with you. <laughs> Throughout <laughs> workshops, personal training, and online programs, she offers unique ways of safely building fitness foundations with a focus on the pelvic floor and deep core to help all mamas get back to the adventures they yearn for. She is the mama of a two and a half year old, 
named Jake and expecting baby number two in mid-May or somewhere around there. Um, Welcome, Nikki. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here. I'm well. How are you? I'm good. So I always like to just start. So you were in our first cohort of the body ready method. So it's really fun to see you again after (laughs) being together for so long. Um, It was such an awesome program. I really loved it and I learned a lot. So um, I feel very honored to be here. Yeah. It's so fun to just connect with all these like-minded folks. So tell me, I love, you know, we have a lot of professionals listening and a lot of people, I think it's so helpful to be, to hear other people's stories of kind of like how you got to where you are today. So essentially like, tell me your tale. Yeah. So, um, I guess I've been working with the pregnant postpartum population for a while, probably since about 2016 or so. Um, and so I, you know, personal trained and taught what was called fit for two classes. And then I really feel like, you know, as you know, when I had my son two and a half years ago, everything kind of changed my perspective. Um, And I took this amazing course called prepare to push when I was pregnant. And it really, um, I really learned a lot from it and it opened my mind. And then it turned out that um, the woman who created the program was licensing it. So I started teaching that workshop and I started offering it uh, for free essentially during COVID because I really felt like what, given what was going on, you know, in the birth world at the peak of the pandemic, I really wanted other women to feel empowered by the knowledge that I felt empowered by. So that's kind of how I've got to where I am today. So I started teaching that workshop and then that workshop kind of morphed into me changing my approach a little bit. And I created some online programs to help pregnant and postpartum women kind of train and work with them remotely. And then um, I found, uh, and then I found BRM. And so then I kind of just took it a little bit of a step further. And I always knew that, uh, you know, in at some point in time, and I'm sure you'll get to this, I wanted to share my, my fertility journey. And so I managed to find an outlet for it in a book. And so mm-hmm. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But that's all yeah. I'll let you take it from there. That's so cool that you were able to be part of that anthology. So tell me, like, let's hear about it. Let's hear about your fertility journey. So I assume it, you were maybe struggling prior to your first. Is that? Yeah. So it, it basically, it took us three years before we managed to get the BFP, the big fat positive. And I guess I would preface that by saying, you know, it's not as if we had the worst journey and it was the hardest journey I have in some ways I have this guilt about sharing my journey because I actually know so many other women and friends who had it harder, who had like you know, seven rounds of IVF and, you know, eight miscarriages and, and crazy things like that. But um, basically we, you know, we're told if, if you aren't able to conceive naturally in six months, let us know. So I went to see the doctor and then she referred me to the fertility clinic and to my gynecologist. And after in some Cole's notes, after a whole bunch of research, we found out that I had uterine polyps. So I had them removed and which is not a big deal. It's a small kind of half day surgery. And then we thought, well, okay, let's keep trying naturally. Cause sometimes that can increase your chances after that. So we kept trying and still nothing happened. Um, and then my polyps grew back. We found out I had this crazy pelvic pain, went back for some tests and we found out they grew back. So I was like, okay, let's get them removed. Game on. Let's go to the fertility clinic. Time is ticking. My husband was getting close to 40. Um, 
So uh, we basically ended up doing the fertility clinic. And once we got into the clinic, it wasn't so bad. We did a couple rounds of IUI and then we got pregnant uh, with Jake. But it was a lot of learning leading up to that moment of the BFP and trying to learn about, you know, what kind of lifestyle changes could I be making? And like, I'm a fitness professional. So I felt this kind of sense of shame that, you know, why can't I'm supposed to be like, you know, living this really healthy life, but yet I can't get pregnant. Like what's wrong with me. And I felt like there just wasn't enough information out there about what you can be doing in terms of diet and exercise to optimize your health. And I spend a lot of time talking to naturopaths and to going to see acupuncturists, um, And even just talking to some other trainers in the fitness industry and asking like, do you know anything about fitness and fertility? Um, And people just didn't know. Uh, So I kind of went down a path of like reading lots of books and learning. And so I kind of wanted to share that experience uh, with people in the book, kind of in it, but in a bit of, in a bit of a, not just in a bullet point kind of way, but in a way that people can relate to you know, what it's like to go get all these tests done in these cold and medical clinics and, you know, the, the, the feelings of shame and inadequacy that come along with basically feeling infertile, you know, and, and trying to normalize that a little bit and talk about it. I love that. There is a lot of shame. And I really felt it when you were like, why, you know, why can I, like, I'm the one that's supposed to know what to do about all of this. Why do I have any issues? And I think professionals, we can get stuck in that trap, you know, any type of professional, let's say it's a doula who needed to have a cesarean or a, which by the way, being a doula doesn't mean that a birth is going to be one exact way, or, you know, Mm -hmm. being a fertility expert, let's say who struggles with fertility, I think, or, you know, like, let's say being a fitness pro with diastasis, or, you know, there's a lot of different things. And I think we think, that we should be perfect. And, but I, you know, I've gone through my similar journey of like, why should I, you know, I know all about the body. Why I shouldn't have any body issues. And that's just, you know, I don't know. It's just a silly way of thinking because we're all on a journey. None of us are perfect. Absolutely. And now I kind of see it as like, okay, that was, that's a, that's a, it's not a challenge. It's a learning opportunity. And I learned from it. And so now that's how I feel. I, I felt like I wanted to be able to share it with other people. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is something that people feel ashamed by. And I always remember having this feeling going into the fertility clinic, like you're always surrounded by these other couples and ultimately you all know why you're there, but yet no Mm. one is like talking to each other. There's kind of like this big elephant in the room. And it just felt like this big elephant of shame in a way, like no one is like openly talking about it because it's so emotional and there's a lot of feelings and, um, yeah, there's just, there's so much there that's unspoken. So it's, it's good that we talk about it. Yeah. It's good to normalize it. You know, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know a lot of people struggle to get pregnant and then they think, you know, why, why can that person get pregnant, you know, with, you know, doing nothing, essentially just looking at someone or breathing and they're pregnant. (laughs) And then for other people, it it takes some, some work. Um, yeah. and And that's okay. It's okay. So what did you find when you were going through your journey? No, you did. Of course you worked through like the medical model. Sometimes that can be a a struggle for people who are, you know, more holistically minded to kind of work through something that feels more clinical. Mm -hmm. Were you able to um, do things alongside that work or how did you 
how did you make that work in your body and in your mind? Yeah, I was definitely, you know, when we first removed the uterine polyps, like I just wasn't ready to go down the, the fertility drug path right Mm. away. And that's why we waited basically almost a year because I was like, okay, well, the polyps are gone. So let's try doing acupuncture. Let's try all the formulas and everything that the naturopath is recommending. You know, let's do all the classic things like body basal temperature, track your ovulation, you know, doing things that are, as you said, maybe um, a little more simple or natural and holistic. But at, at the end of that kind of year, when I found out that the polyps had grown back, I was like, okay, something's not working. You know, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again without seeing right. change. And so I knew <laughs> that we needed to try something different. And so I was like, okay, let's go to the clinic. Let's go see the doctor. Let's try the drugs. Um, they do this all the time for a living. So I'm going to have to, at some point, put my trust in that. Right. Know? And it worked, right? So yeah. um, I, I think it's really important for us to hear like medicine has its place. I think we can get on two ends of the spectrum and I see people in both sides. I I come from a very medical family. So I see people very Mm. firmly in the medical side, like not willing Mm. to try any sort of like crunchy, holistic, Mm -hmm. you know, remedies. And then I see people on the other side, they're like, oh, we never need medicine. Like if you just do everything as natural as possible, like everything will be fine. And I think both of those just like most spectrums, those are like the two ends. Usually the, the best place to be is maybe somewhere in the middle, you know, that approach where it's like, I totally, I totally agree with you because even I remember the day before we went for the IUI that was successful, I had, um, shiatsu, um, a shiatsu massage, which is basically acupuncture Mm. or acupressure, sorry. And she specifically knew I was going in for it. So she hit a lot of my fertility points and I did acupuncture like the next day. So I really tried to, to go in. So I did the drugs, I did the IUI, but then I kind of did some of the traditional Chinese medicine stuff too. And, um, and that seemed to work. So it was a nice combination. And in fact, with this second pregnancy, um, I feel really grateful. We didn't have to go down the fertility journey, journey route. We got pregnant without the help of uh, IUI or any fertility drugs, but I did, I did also use um, acupuncture this time and timed everything. So mm. I really think that there's, there's a little bit of, a little bit of everything can do some magic. Yeah, I think so too. I think when we allow ourselves to be open to all of the things that maybe this universe has for us, that's the best way of, um, you know, moving forward. So is there anything, so so let's talk pregnancy. So you had, so your first pregnancy versus this pregnancy is, do you, have you found anything different? Is there anything you're doing differently based on your first experience? Well, I'm not sure if you know this, but my first pregnancy actually ended very quickly because, uh, well not ended, I should say, but my son was born prematurely at 33 mm. weeks. And so that's really, um, I didn't realize how much kind of PTSD I had from that yeah. until I got pregnant a second time. And so I've, I've, uh, spent unfortunately quite a bit of time in the second pregnancy being anxious about going into preterm labor again. But the good news is that I'm at, I think I'm at nearly this weekend, I'm at 37 weeks. So I passed, I'm in a safe zone. I've passed the, the 33 week mark. So I would say the second pregnancy was, has been a bit more anxious for me and I've been, you know, looked after a little more closely this time, but, um, but I would have to say that 
I decided to do the BRM pro training because I was like, well, what better time to do this while I'm pregnant, <laughs> you know, yeah, totally <laughs> learn all of these new tools while I'm pregnant. So, um, a lot of the corrective exercise stuff and the alignment and posture assessment stuff, I've definitely applied and use a lot of those tools on a daily basis. So, um, that's something that I've also done a little bit differently. I love that. So I'm super excited to, you're going to have to let me know when you give birth, if you notice, I don't know if you notice anything, or, you know, I find that sometimes when we, when we do the tools and we do the body work during pregnancy, it allows us to be a little bit more intuitive with it during birth. You know, I think sometimes we worry, like, you know, you have a lot of head knowledge now from body ready methods. So like Mm -hmm. your head is maybe filled with all these like tools (laughs) and what to do when during birth. But when you're the one giving birth, you can't really be in your head. I always say there's only room for one head in your pelvis and it's not yours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you know, I had an overthinking mom at a, at a birth earlier, earlier this week. And I'm like, get your head out of there. There's only room for your babies. And sure enough, her baby wasn't engaging because she was, you know, a combination of, of course, overthinking and, you know, tension in, in the muscles allowing baby into the pelvis. But, um, Yeah. So, but I find that when you're doing the work in your body, not just in your mind, you go into birth and you go into that zone where your body just does what it needs to do. It's so cool. I love it. And that's exactly why I actually hired a doula this Mm. time, because I was like, I feel like I know too much and I want to get out of my head. I don't want to be hung up on, am I doing exactly the right position at the right time, depending on what stage of labor I'm in, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> I found it, yeah, yeah, I found it so fascinating, but I was also worried that I would just get too hung up and not be able to just kind of like be in the moment. And I think it was my doctor who said to me, you know, when you go into that delivery room, because I want to deliver in the hospital, mm-hmm. you don't have to be the pregnancy and postpartum fitness coach. You just get to be you and you yes. turn off your brain you let us and you let the doulas help you and help guide you. So I feel a lot better knowing that I'll have, that'll have the doula support there for sure. This episode is brought to you by the Body Ready Method, our game-changing, interactive, fully online course for perinatal and birth professionals who want to elevate the way they serve their clients. We teach you how to help your clients prepare their body for a more functional pregnancy and a more efficient birth. And we teach you what to do when during birth through the lens of birth physiology and biomechanics. Gain the confidence and the new skills that you need to support your clients even better. You can now sign up for the next cohort of the training. Visit BodyReadyMethod.com to learn more. I love that. You know, I, you know, and I, we talk about this in BRM and I know you're, you're in agreement with me that I really find that it's so important that we we explain and we elevate that doula role to be the professional in the room who gets that stuff. And granted, I think nurses, doctors, midwives should all understand like the biomechanics of like what to do when in the birthing process. But we were talking before we started hitting record of like, you know, they have certain skills that me as a doula, I don't want those skills. I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to resuscitate a baby. I don't want to have to deal with hemorrhaging. I don't want to have to worry about you know, preeclampsia, any of that, that safety stuff, that is where I'm like, thank God we have them Mm -hmm. to do all that. And that frees me up as, as the birth doula to do all the stuff that I'm maybe, you know, the expert in such as, 
knowing what positions to suggest, knowing how to get someone in that like labor flow state where they're just intuitive. You know, I, I feel like sometimes we don't stress enough the importance of that environment, allowing someone's body to, you know, relax into labor and go to that intuitive place in their brain. But like, if one person is trying to do all of that, if the midwife is trying to take care of all of that, something's got to give, right? Like that you can't do it all and the birther as well. So yeah, it's, if we can just elevate that doula role and if all doulas could kind of take this on, I feel like we would see massive changes in birth. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think that it's also, I think there's also probably a big difference and correct me if I'm wrong between like what happens um, in the U S versus in Canada. And I also feel certainly like very lucky because I feel like particularly in my hometown in Squamish, we have a really, and I, I actually have never delivered in Squamish, but I work with lots of women who have, and they all rave about, um, our tiny little hospital here and about the quality of care that they get. But, um, the doctors that we have very much have a bit more of a, you know, they're not OBs, but they have a bit more of a holistic approach, I guess. Um, and so anyways, yes, I totally agree. I think that, um, the doulas, the doula's role is, is, is for emotional support to help you get out of your head, to help you move in positions. And I'm I'm just really grateful that I won't have to do too much thinking. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. And be in the moment. And you know what, when my first son was born, we, it all happened so quickly because he was premature. So I had a pretty precipitous birth and, um, I really wanted, uh, I didn't even have time to call my doula the first time around. Cause I didn't even know I was going into labor. And so I remember asking the midwives, I was like, can I please have a TENS machine? I want a TENS machine. And they're like, we don't have one. I was like, no, you don't have a TENS machine. But anyways, I have the TENS machine packed away from my doula in my hospital bag right now. So um, I'm glad I'll be able to utilize some of those other resources I didn't have a chance to the first time. Yeah, it can be. Okay. So, so, so tell me about it. So 33 weeks. So you just went into, they're not sure why you just went into premature labor. I have a hunch that there was a condition of my placenta called placenta circumvallet. Okay. Um, I'm not going to do justice explaining what (laughs) it is, but if you Google it, you'll find it. Um, and essentially, um, my understanding is that the way the placenta grows itself, it kind of like double backs on itself and creates a bit of a structural weakness, which in the end can cause some intrauterine growth restriction for the baby. And we know like a week before, Uh, he was born in my ultrasound, his abdominal measurement was measuring a little bit on the smaller side. Mm -hmm. So um, they think that basically my, my body was just like not able to, um, there was just no room. It was, it was IUGR, I guess. And because of the condition of the placenta, which, and my body was like, okay, time for you to get out. So um, Yeah. yeah. And it happened very quickly. It was about three hours from the time my water broke to the time he was born. So yeah, Yeah, that's fast. Super fast. I mean, sometimes I found when the body is telling us like, we're like, I can no longer sustain a pregnancy. You know, sometimes it's like, I see it in preeclampsia as well. Like sometimes things can go very quickly when Mm -hmm. the body's like, okay, time to be done. Um, so, so then, so you had the baby, um, and he was in the NICU for a while. Did you have any, what are your, um, words of advice for people who are going through, you know, know, either a premature 
birth or, um, NICU experience? Do you have any walk takeaways from that experience? Um, that's a really good question. I had all these ideas when I was in there, but everything is so foggy now, Mm. (laughs) but I would say, I would say like, it's a really scary experience for sure. I would say, you know, to, to take the, all the support that you can get from the nurses that are in there. They're like, I called them my professional babysitters. Um, I had never changed a diaper before. So I really took the opportunity to ask them a lot of questions and get support from them. So in the end, even though it was challenging, I felt that it was a blessing in disguise. Other things were like, I was fortunate enough that we lived close by. So I was able to go visit him a few times a day without having to stay there. And I tried to not feel guilty about that because it gave me a chance to kind of relax at home and like actually recover from the birth for the three weeks that he was in there, as opposed to, you know, having a baby at home right away and be full on. So it gave me actually a little bit of space, I think. And then just other, other things like, you know, (laughs) just finding, finding the right clothes to wear, like a good nursing bra that is a the thing that I went out and bought was like a, you know, a nursing bra that could do hands-free pumping that like changed my life because I could do other things with my hands. <laughs> real. Oh my gosh. So much time pumping. Um, in the beginning, I just like called myself Betsy the cow because it was just like endless. Um, so those are, those are a few things and to not get discouraged. I mean, I was only in there for three weeks. I know some people spend months and months in there, but they do. One thing that I'd never could imagine was that he would actually grow like in my mind, I was like, he's going to be this tiny baby forever. And, you know, but he's, he's like two and a half now and he's running around and walking. So they do actually, they do grow up. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't have a NICU experience, but one of my kids was in the cardiac intensive care unit for a while. Um, cause she was born with a heart defect. So I have similar, you know, similar, but different just experience of being mm-hmm. and living in a hospital and yeah. the guilt of, I would feel guilty of even just leaving the room. I don't know. Yeah. Like I just feel it's, it's really hard. Um, it's like biologically, we're just like meant to just be with their babies. Yeah. And we're yeah. just like, uh, there's just this weird tugging and pulling of emotions of, you know, trying to take care of yourself, maybe older kids, if you have them. Mm-hmm. And then also just like wanting to be near your baby. Um, and so I think, you know, guilt and shame, you know, you talked about it with fertility as well, just like the guilt of, Oh, other people have a harder experience than me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that I was just hearing and thinking about, like, I think we, yeah. we all get that like, Oh, my trauma is not as bad as their trauma or, Oh, my birth wasn't as bad as their birth or but it like, doesn't I invalidate it. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a conclusion I've come to. Yeah. And I find, you know, we, we're always, you know, maybe we try to one up each other in the positive way, but I find a lot of times with pregnancy and birth and babies, we almost try to one up each other in the negative way. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you think your birth was bad. Here's mine. Or, Oh, you think your fertility journey was bad. Here's mine. And, you know, if we could all just like, like you said, like one person's trauma doesn't invalidate another person's trauma. However Mm -hmm. you feel about your experience is how you feel about your experience. And that's, you know, that's okay. And that's valid. Um, so I think we could do a better job at just listening to each other's stories without having to pull in our own stuff. Right. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, uh, it's so interesting. So, so segueing, so going into this, so your upcoming birth, whenever it, you know, the next, <laughs> I don't know, it could be any tomorrow day now. and it could be, yeah. 
in a, in a month. Um, what, what are you feeling right now? Like, what are your worries or what are you choosing to focus on? Well, I think I'm trying to let go of it right now because I think mm-hmm. I've, I think I've learned so much through the BRM training and, you know, through my own studies and, yeah. and teaching other people, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just about as prepared as I could possibly be. And maybe I should just start letting go because there's no need to overstudy this. Like, I know what I need to know at this point. And sometimes I get a little bit like, oh, but I still need to learn about like hypnobirthing and I still need to to do this. Like there's so much out there that you could learn, you know? So I'm trying to relinquish control of that a little bit. And, um, and then, you know, in the last couple of weeks or, and just since last week, really, I've really felt my energy drop. So I'm trying to ease off on the workouts and, and move more into like gentle movement and flow and, uh, that kind of stuff. And then just doing other things like pre-birth acupuncture and starting some raspberry leaf tea, all those, like all the things slowly, (laughs) those natural methods of induction, you know, but, um, it's, it's so, it's so funny because you kind of, I'm like, I can't, I'm like, I can't believe, like, I, I can't wait to find out how this unravels, you know? Yeah. It's to, the, the great to, mystery, the great mystery, but you know, you just have to kind of let go of control, which I'm not very good at doing. So that's the biggest, that's the uh, biggest thing for me. Yes. You know, I've, I doula for a lot of midwives, doulas and doctors actually. And I find, you know, and I'm sure we could throw some prenatal fitness pros in there. Um, I find that we, we, you know, the more, you know, the more you, first of all, realize that what, that what you don't know. So mm-hmm. I remember, you know, the further up I've gotten through my studies, the more I'm like, I know nothing. Totally. <laughs> and it, like, and, but you, it, you only think that because you know so much, right? Like you feel mm-hmm. like there's just so much more to know. Like I was just preparing for, you know, we have an upcoming, if you're not in labor, you can check it out. We have an upcoming, um, webinar that we're doing for our, our certified pros. Um, and mm-hmm. I was preparing, you know, and going very deep on a certain muscle. And I'm like, you know, like teaching helps me learn too. And it helps solidify what I know. And, but you get to this point in your own body where you can't apply all that head stuff to your own body, right? Like People mm-hmm. must think like, oh, Lindsay's body must be, you know, perfectly aligned and balanced. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I know in theory, in theory, I know everything that maybe I should be doing, but also we, we can get so obsessed with the to-dos that we don't allow ourselves to just be. And yes. I think one of the biggest things in the last couple of weeks of pregnancy is this, like, like you said, you're slowing down. It's a natural slowing down and a natural turning inward. Mm-hmm. And literally getting out of, it's called your, I'm sure you, you know, this preaching to the choir, the prefrontal cortex, getting out of that thinking, judging, analyzing part of our brain, and just going into that place mm-hmm. where we already know what to do. Like, we don't need to know, like, like I teach things like internal hip rotation to birth professionals, mm-hmm. but you know, I was just at a birth a couple of days ago, not birth professional, not someone who's really like knowledgeable in their body necessarily. And, and she I'm like, was doing oh, it anyways. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh, let's just take a picture. Baby's clearly in the mid pelvis and she's doing, you know, external rotation on one side, internal and other side. Clearly she has no idea, but, but I'm just, just in making a mental note, like, oh, cool. Look, she's getting her baby through the mid pelvis. I didn't, the only thing oh. I had to do is keep her in that like place where she's not going into fight or flight. 
Like I'm just keeping her in her zone, you know, you know, we have all these tools and in our back pocket, but my joke is like, we don't want to have to use them. And, and the, the better prepared someone is prenatally, you, you, you won't even need it. You'll just show up and you'll just like, your baby yeah. will just come out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even with my first birth and I mean, you've done this four times, so you're more experienced yeah. than I am. I was, I, I, I'm fortunate in the sense that I feel like I had a positive birth experience with my first one, despite Good. it being like very quick and yeah. traumatic, but I did feel like I went in and I, yes, I had learned some things. So I knew what positions I wanted, things like that, but I really felt like my body knew what to do at it's different so times. Cool. Yeah. Yes. And it just, um, you know, I didn't even, at that point, I didn't even know about vocalizing or how you're supposed to vocalize or vocal toning, like during pushing mm. phase. And I was doing it anyways. Um, cause it was just so this, cool. it's just this involuntary kind of animalistic thing that you do once you get into that, um, that part of labor. Right. So, yeah, I think, I think we have to give ourselves, our bodies some credit for sure. Yes. Yes. And separate the, I think this is good because someone, people may be listening who are both birth professionals and maybe going through or planning to go through their own pregnancy and birth experience. And I think it's a really interesting distinction to separate because you can't be, you can't have your birth worker hat on when you're giving birth, you know? And, and like, I joke, like I, I kept hiring more and more doulas. So like by the fourth birth, I had two doulas and I had a third that was like, maybe she can, you know, she didn't make up, but I was like, sure, you can come too. Cause I was like, you know, like, we just need other people to do things when we're in birth. We don't, we can't doula ourselves. So I love that you, you realize that and you can kind of separate yeah. you know, the two, th- yeah. two pieces. Yeah. But I think it's also, I think there's a little bit of both. Like I think even though, you know, we talk about the body being intuitive and then, and it knowing what to do, but then there's also, I still do believe that knowledge is power and knowing a little mm. bit can help so too. Yeah. So yeah. There's, That's there's a, a good there's distinction. a, there's a balance in, in, um, both. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, like, like what we teach in the one strong mama program, which is for, um, you know, pregnancy, um, is different than what we teach in the body ready method training, which is for professionals. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if you're a really nerdy pregnant person, you could take body ready, but you'd be like, Oh, I don't need all of this. And, you know, like, uh, the body writing method pros, a lot of times when they're pregnant themselves, they just, you know, move to OSM so they can just hit play and turn their brains off. Yeah. Yeah. Turn their brains off and just let their body do the work, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's the combo. And of course we still give enough of the context that they realize like, Oh, when I'm doing this, it's, it's working on this. So it's kind of this pillar. Yeah. Yeah. It's just important to kind of, um, I love how you said that we, we need the knowledge, but we also need that understanding and trust that our body knows what to do, especially Absolutely. when we've prepared it ahead of time. Yeah. yeah exactly. So, so I would love to hear, um, let's bring it back to the book because I think it's really cool to hear how just unique voices of motherhood, you know, and how they all come to the journey differently, you know, from fertility pregnancy, you told me, you know, off, off this recording that some people are talking about losing their own parents during their journey. So, you know, how can sharing our stories help bring us together in motherhood? I think it's just important for us to hear about other people's experiences and to kind of read about people's vulnerabilities and ultimately understand that we're not alone. And you might Mm -hmm 
you know, I think that the biggest thing for me about writing about my story was that I hope that even if just one or two people read it and could relate to it and glean something from it, then I would consider it a success, you know, that you just want to be able to, to share what you've experienced and that somebody can take something away from it and go like, oh yeah, I do feel a little bit guilty and ashamed because I'm going through this like fertility journey, but I, but she felt that way too. And I don't need to feel that way. It's okay. Um, and be able to relate to, you know, the, the experience of going to all, to going to do all these tests and going to the clinics and even learn a little bit about some lifestyle changes or some, something that will give them more information that will help them along the way. Yeah. I think hearing stories and seeing how diverse our stories may be and how similar our stories may be can help us feel connected to one another can help us feel not alone. I feel our society really puts us in these like single family homes. It's like me and my kids Mm -hmm. and maybe my partner. And it's like, we don't always get to see. And I think hearing, you know, the similarities and differences allows us to come together, allows us to, I don't know, not feel so alone. (laughs) Motherhood can be very isolating. Absolutely. And, (sighs) and so I think it's a, it's just a good opportunity to be able to relate to some other moms, see how they feel and to be able to, to take that um, away. And it's just a lot of these stories in this book in particular are kind of like the chicken soup for the, for the motherhood soul Mm -hmm. in a way. Think about it that way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's so good. And I, you know, it's important that we hear if, you know, going with the chicken soup, it's important that we, we feed ourselves nourishing, not just foods, but nourishing stories and nourishing because that's how we nourish our mind. That's how we prepare our mind for the experience ahead um, by feeding it this positive fuel, you know, maybe, you know, you can see someone's struggles, but you can see maybe their victories as well. And, and maybe project that into your own future. Yes, absolutely. And it's not just stories of struggles. It's also stories of, of success and victories too. So um, lots of uplifting stuff in there as well. So, so important. So Nikki, this was super fun. So tell everyone where they can connect with you, where they can find the book and maybe where you're hanging out on social media these days. Yeah. Thank you. So the book is available online and you can purchase it directly from my website at NikkiJFit.com. And I'm on Instagram at C to sky fitness. That's S E A T O S K Y fitness. Um, so they can always contact me through there. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. Yes, this is so fun. And I look forward to seeing all the amazing things you do with this work in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to pros talk pregnancy. We are passionate about making the childbearing years better. And as professionals, when we work together, that is when we see the greatest shifts. Is there a topic that you would like for us to dig into with an amazing birth pro that you know? Or do you have a question around pregnancy, birth, or recovery that no one has quite yet been able to answer? We want to bring you the topics that you want to know about. So please submit a question, topic, or guest suggestion for the chance for it to become our next podcast episode at www.bodyreadymethod.com slash podcast dash submit. See you next time.